when my father left India in the 90s for Egypt, everyone thought he was crazy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Indian Digital Nomads. We have with us Saloni. Um, I have been checking out Saloni's content on Twitter and Instagram, and she has been amazing. The reason why I invited her on this podcast because I don't see many Indians living this digital nomad lifestyle, and um, Saloni's content really stood out. And I felt like it will be amazing to have her on the podcast and get to hear from her. What's her story? How is the nomad life going for her? So, uh, welcome, Saloni. Uh, how are you? Thank you so much, Saurav. I'm really good. I'm dialing in from Udaipur today. Um, so, so tell us a bit of your backstory. Uh, what made you embrace this lifestyle? Sure. So, I mean, I guess it starts with kind of my my childhood. So I am Indian, but I um, grew up across the world. Uh, so I've had a nomadic upbringing. Uh, I left India just three weeks old. I grew up in Egypt, the UK. And then I went off and nomaded in Mexico, China, Malaysia, Singapore, and now I'm back to my homeland. And uh, so, and you know, for the before the pandemic, I was never a nomad. I was just a management consultant sitting in an office for thirteen hours a day, and I forgot about my nomadic past and upbringing. Uh, and now I'm embracing it and I think the major thing that that made me want to shift to this lifestyle is the freedom to work remotely I mean I thought why should I work in a room with my laptop without like any sunlight when I could be working from Udaipur like I am today or working from anywhere I can see that uh, it's it's your upbringing uh made you easy to embrace this lifestyle right like because that's what you have been um living like right it was easy for you to understand also i see that how i mean i i would say that uh, a big credit goes to your parents who raised you like nomad so that's that's been amazing um uh, especially in this part of the world what i see is that uh, many indian parents they are um very much uh, uh protective about their kids and they don't let them um, go solo yeah I mean literally it's I completely get the mindset but my father raised me with such a different mindset this um, you know he sent me away I left home at the age of 11 he sent me to boarding school at the age of 11 and I've never lived at home since so I'm extremely fortunate to have had this kind of upbringing and it's a mindset thing as well you know it's like I watched him I watched his courage in leaving India for the first time in his life to go live in the Middle East and back in the 90s that was not really a done thing there was definitely no yeah. digital nomads I mean maybe there were a few here and there but watching his courage is is definitely a huge factor in why I'm a nomad today great awesome and tell me when you say that pandemic made you uh, be completely location independent travel and work at the same time um you were already in India uh when that happened? Uh, I was already in India, yes. So I was working at a management consulting firm in Mumbai. And then I moved to where my father mm. was based. Uh, and I was stuck at home for, you know, like most of us for a year and a half. And I, towards the end, it just got too much. And, uh, and I decided to start the journey in August of this year. So it's very recent. Uh, did you came across other folks who have been living a similar lifestyle? 
um, and you know, I mean, I know your your background has been being on the move, but uh, what exactly inspired you? What made you feel like when you can work from home, you can work from anywhere? That's such a yeah, that's such a good question because that transition is something a lot of people think about, but they don't actually do. So what happened was I thought that I would go to Goa for just three weeks. I'd never been to Goa. I've barely traveled India. Um, so I thought I'll just go to Goa for three weeks, work from there, see what this workation fuss is about, and then go home back to normal life, you know, in a room with my laptop. I ended up staying three months. And in Goa, South Goa, I met a bunch of people who had been doing this for years. I mean, of course, you know yourself, Saurav, that uh, digital nomadism definitely existed before the pandemic. So I met people who have been on the road or who have made their base Goa for the past few years. And I was inspired by their journey uh, because I went from the mindset of I'm just going for a few weeks and then I'll come home to I can make this my entire life and I never have to go back to an office. Uh, of course, it's also a very privileged position to be in and we can you know chat about that more later. But if you can, then you can set up your base and go out, for example, and just work. And I saw them working from the beach sometimes, or, you know, we'd all gather together on Fridays and work together. Um, and it just made me, it changed my whole mindset about what work should look like. Uh, work looks like different for many people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a cubicle. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, let's reflect on the last year and a half uh, post-pandemic uh, after you embrace this lifestyle. What do you think has been uh, some of the major changes? How it, uh, how this lifestyle changed you as a person? What are some new habits uh, that you learned? Yeah, again, great question. I think the major change I've seen in myself is the mindset. So a lot of us say one day I'll X, Y, Z. And before the pandemic, I would be like, you know, one day I'll visit Goa, one day I'll, I'll, I'll fly to Croatia. And then suddenly the pandemic happened and we realized that one day could be never because suddenly the world shuts down and you can't do any of the things that were on that bucket list. And and that's exactly why I'm in Odepur right now, for example. I was supposed to stay at my dad's place, you know, for, for another week. And then I thought, why don't I just like, book a bus and go, what's stopping me? And I think that has been the major highlight is the mindset shift that you can really pack up and leave tomorrow and go explore. It's all about facing the fear. So of course I'm solo and that's the second highlight for me is learning that I can travel India solo and be happy and be safe. Uh, so those are the two major takeaways from my journey so far. Great. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because I do see that how template lifestyle makes you uh, wait for um, the weekend, uh, entire week you wait for the weekend, entire year you wait for the summer and entire life you wait for the retirement. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. So that's so very beautifully good point. Put. Yes, that's so beautifully put because um, that's exactly how I was before. I was waiting for a promotion or I was waiting for leave or and to be super honest, I actually haven't taken leave since March of this year, just because I i don't need it. I don't need a week off because my evenings, my weekends are, you know, exploring and 
and things. So that's, you know, you don't have to wait for a holiday to switch off. Exactly. Yeah, that's another mindset that um, people who are living in nine to five life and are not happy about it, they should get it because it doesn't make sense to uh, have an escape from the life um, you, I mean, life doesn't have to be lived in a way that you have to escape from it, right? Like a lot of people think like, oh, I just, I can grind Monday to Friday, but weekend will be mine, but you can have all the day for yourself, right? Um, yeah, very, very, very good points. I think uh, that's something that uh, people should should know about and accordingly they can design their lifestyle. Uh, great. So it's been, um, I guess, year and a half for you living this lifestyle. And you mentioned that you had a chance to go in different parts of India, uh, Goa, and now you're in Udaipur. Would you like to share some, some stories from the road? Um, what's been the highlight so far? Yeah, definitely. Um, so... So before the pandemic, my knowledge of India was Mumbai and Delhi. So I'm still super new to India. And Goa was completely unexpected. Uh, I just booked an Airbnb on a whim in South Goa, knowing nothing about the whole North versus South thing. Um, And I just turned up, no expectations. My major highlight so far from Goa would be meeting like-minded people. So Saurav, I really struggled when I first came to India in Mumbai because I'm Indian, but I'm not really Indian. I'm in a kind of liminal space between foreign and Indian. So a lot of people didn't accept it or didn't understand it. And I completely get that. But I found it very difficult to make connections and make friends. So when I came to Goa, I met fellow nomads. I met fellow people who are in this kind of identity crisis. I met... uh, Indians who had lived abroad and come back, kind of like me. And I built such a beautiful friendship group of people who got me and people who got my lifestyle and uh, my mindset. And that was the major part of Goa. Sure, I jumped in waterfalls and I explored forests and I did all that fun. But for me, the highlight was meeting people finally in India that, you know, I could vibe with on the same wavelength. Uh, And then another highlight would be uh, just, I've kind of alluded to this before, but the mindset that, you know, I can just pack up and leave. And I basically uh, was born in Odepur 29 years ago, and I left India at the age of three weeks. So I I think this this nomad lifestyle taught me that, guess what? I don't have to sit in an office and work on my birthday. I can go back to my birthplace 29 years later and celebrate it and get, you know, I'll get my work done. I'll just be living life way more to the full and sort of I'm genuinely full of more energy, more liveliness um, than before I started this this whole journey. That's great to hear. Tell me, how do you respond to a question when someone asks you, Saloni, where are you from? (laughs) Why are you asking such a difficult question? Um, So the best way I do it in India is just to say I have an Indian passport because that's the truth. Uh, But and I'm happy to say I'm Indian. But 
it's obvious from my accent or the way I speak Hindi that I'm not fully Indian. So I do have to explain. And most people say, oh, right, you lived in the US. I've never been to the US in my life. But people assume, you know, I've lived in the US or Canada or something. So then I give a laundry list of countries, just, you know, the eight countries I've lived in, just in like one rapid fire minute. And then people get it or they don't get it. But either way, they know where I'm from. <laughs> Right. It's such a difficult question for nomads. I, I see that it, it's it's never easy for a nomad to explain where, where are they from. Also, I feel like a lot of times when people ask, where are you from? You just need to reframe the question. Maybe they want to know where, where are you born, but that's not the place where are you from, isn't it? That's such a good point. I mean, for example, so, my brother um, was born I in... That how... Um, we, I feel like as a nomad, we, we belong to all the places and people that has uh, been in our life, right? So um, I guess nomads are redefining the question, where are you from? It's, it's, the question is becoming so obsolete. It doesn't make sense at all. What do you think? Absolutely. I think the more we globalize, the more we become nomadic. And of course, when we talk about no digital nomads, it's still a pretty small percentage of the population. But it's definitely becoming more acceptable to give a long answer to that question. Before, it was very much, where are you from? Okay, you were born here. For example, I have a Gujarati name, but I'm from a Punjabi family and I was born in Rajasthan. Now, like those three things are very complicated for someone who maybe doesn't have such a complicated background, but it's definitely becoming more acceptable with the with the movement of people across the world. And I think mm -hmm. one more thing that we don't think about often is that as humans, we love to just, you know, by nature, categorize people, put them in a box uh, so so that it's easier for us to comprehend them and comprehend where they're from. So another question people ask is, what do you do? Because that's easy way for them to kind of put you in a certain bucket. Oh, he's a doctor. OK, got it. I understand what kind of person he is. But that's definitely changing. I mean, we're all multi-hyphenate, uh, multi-continent now. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think um, what you do is the second question, which is tough for nomads to answer because they are doing multiple things at the same time and their life is not defined by the work they do, isn't it? A lot of people, they, they have their entire identity uh, around the work they do, but that's not how it should be. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, great. Um, so, uh, Saroni, tell me, um, how do you think the nomad movement will shape in India? Your, what's been your observation? What do you see uh, the future of nomadism looks like in this part of the world? Definitely. Um, I think, see, the digital nomad movement has been around for a while. Uh, in India, again, it's a very, very small privileged percentage of the population that can enjoy the digital nomad lifestyle. And I understand that. It's very easy to be in the Bangalore tech bubble where everyone is allowed to be remote or hybrid. And I meet these people on the road. And, uh, you know, they, they can work remotely and they say anyone can do it, but not everyone can do it, especially not in a country like India, where you've got two things. First, you've got kind of the unorganized sector where you do have to turn up to work and and 
show your face to your boss uh and even indian family businesses they're very slow to accept this this nomad thing they definitely want you in the office uh but the thing is if you are in a position like in a bangalore tech startup where remote is an option where culture company culture allows you to be flexible then i think we'll watch it watch the movement grow and the number of people moving out grow the other thing is there's a higher demand uh, across the startups i've seen from employees asking to be remote you know people are actually putting in their papers if they're not allowed to be remote so i think for that percentage of the population we will definitely see this community grow but the major thing sort of is the mindset shift i can't even tell you how many people end up in my dms on instagram and twitter saying wow you're so lucky or wow how do you do it alone and uh, aren't you scared to travel india alone how do you work alone so a lot of things are about facing the fear you know your company could be completely remote but uh you you might be too scared to to pack up and move to a new place so there's two things at play there right um yeah so the way i see it is that uh, digital nomads are just 2% of the entire uh, remote work population you know like lots of people are remote but they are not using their location independence to travel and work at the same time uh, also what i see is that i think uh, we should uh, highlight it is that we have lots of nomads from india who are um, not coming from a privileged position like um nomad shubham is is well known for his content and his hitchhiking around the world so we also see that how for many people uh, their high paying job or coming from a affluent family it becomes like a, a golden handcuff you know courage is what uh, get them started i mean courage is needed more than um you know whether you are making a certain amount of money per month or or not and uh, you know i i can see that that's also uh gonna define how this movement will be embraced in india what such what do you think about point, it such a good point such a good point yeah i mean um see so many people message and say like oh no i'm stuck in delhi it's polluted i don't have money to travel to india like you do but spoiler spoiler alert <laughs> i spend uh way less money now than i do when i was paying rent in mumbai and commuting to office i spend money is definitely not a factor i think it's an excuse that a lot of people hide behind in order to not pursue digital nomadism or just nomadism in general uh but i'm you know my my costs have gone down majorly since i became a nomad because i mean i'm not staying in fancy places and uh i'm not commuting i'm not spending an hour and a half in bangalore traffic uh or anything like that and um i think that's something that people need to keep in mind uh and i think it's definitely hard i'm not saying it's easy to pack up and move but try a week or try two weeks just just like i did i just went for 3 weeks to go out there's zero harm and uh, see what happens if you don't like it you can always go back home but it could also change your life i like the point about you know you don't have to have money as well i i met um a guy on the road who we met on instagram and he doesn't work for these fancy tech startups he doesn't work anywhere he just messages hostels and in exchange for a free stay he does their social media or whatever it is and he's seen so much of india just through that 
Right. Yeah, I see that the rise of the creator economy is going to enable many uh, individuals to live this lifestyle. Also, what I see, um, Saloni, is that, see, around the world, there are many people who have been living nomad lifestyle because they want to take advantage of geo-arbitrage, like people who have been uh, in New York City or uh, SF and they wanted to come to this part of the world um, because the cost of living there is so low. But I see that even within India, you can move around to, uh, you know, save on um you know your your expenses like you mentioned that uh, travel at times could be cheaper than uh, staying at a place if you're living in a you know uh, expensive city like for example if you move from mumbai or bangalore to uh, maybe goa or any hill station your cost of living could be could be lower right so that's another thing that people should know about um yeah and and you rightly say that a lot of people they hide behind the excuse of money um it's it's rarely uh, the factor. Like uh, I feel like the the idea that travel is expensive is a bullshit that is peddled by tour companies and corporate media. You know, like there are so many hospitality networks that we can leverage to uh, stay for uh, free or volunteer on the go. Um, yeah, great. So uh, tell me, did you had any uh, such experience where um, you could volunteer around while you're traveling or you know, you can have a, 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 a alternative way of uh, making some money while while you're traveling at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, a lot of, you know, the countries that I've listed that I've lived in are because I first thought, okay, I want to live in Beijing. I want to try living in Beijing. How can I get there? So a lot of people assume or ask me that I moved to Mexico, Beijing, lots of different countries because of my job. But it was the other way around. I wanted to experience life in China. So uh, I applied for English teaching jobs there because that was the easiest way for me to get into the country. So I went to Beijing. I taught English. I experienced life in China. And yeah, I'd say my decisions to places are chosen by the country first, then I'll find a way to work out how to make money in said country. And in India itself, uh, I work at a Bangalore startup. Uh, but uh, on the road, I've met people who are interested in my journey or the kind of writing I do. So for example, in Goa, I'm it was a crazy story, actually. I was reading this book called Moving to Goa by an author, Katerina Kakar. And uh, I had just moved to to the little little village I was in. And I loved the book. And then three weeks later, I met her at a party. And two weeks later, she read my blog. And then a week after that, she asked me to work with her. So these things happen, you know, very organically and serendipitously. And it's amazing. So I definitely think that being on the road also gives you this advantage of meeting people who want to work with you or want to kind of share skills with you. And so I'm no longer tied to just one job, one office. Like you said, we're multi-hyphenate. Exactly. Um, thanks for bringing up both, both a very interesting point. First of all, um, yeah, I, I think that's a very good mindset that um, if you want to go to a place, find out what kind of opportunities are over there, which can take you over there. Uh, so what I see is that um, some of the big opportunities I guess people should know about if they want to volunteer around is that any global event, uh, be it like uh, uh, Olympics or a 
FIFA World Cup, they look for volunteers from all different countries. So, um, you know, you can apply for being a volunteer. And if you get selected, um, you can just be part of the event and your uh, stay will be covered um, by those organizations. So um, one of my friends, he um, he applied for uh, the FIFA World Cup and he got selected and he had amazing time volunteering for FIFA. You know, you get to meet people from all different countries. And if you're a soccer fan, then it's a added plus. Yeah, so, yes. that's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly how I attended the London 2012 Olympics. I applied to not volunteer. I applied to work in like one of the food stations there because I just wanted to experience the Olympics. And for like the whole duration, three, four weeks, I got to meet athletes and people from around the world. And and it's just so cool. I basically attended the I got paid to attend the Olympics. So, yeah. Great. Awesome. Um, also, uh, Saloni would love to know that how, um, after living this lifestyle, how nomad life changed your relationship with people as well as your belongings. Yeah, so this is a tricky one because I get attached very quickly to people and places. And uh, I mean, it's hard to believe because I've had such a nomadic lifestyle. You'd imagine it's easy to like, let go, pick up, let go, start again. But actually, I still get attached to people and places. Leaving Goa was extremely difficult. I could have stayed, but I knew that, you know, I was getting comfortable. And I wanted to keep pushing the limits of my comfort zone, which is why I'm here now and, you know, trying different places in December. And I think it's a scary prospect because as soon as I meet people on my nomadic journey and I click with them, I know that there's like an end to this. I mean, we'll stay in touch, but we're not going to, you know, forever be in the same place. And that's difficult. And I don't think it gets easier, but you just have to accept it as, I don't want to say a disadvantage, but a, a part of the nomad lifestyle. And in a way, I think it's better than not meeting these people at all, which is what would happen if you stayed in, you know, your hometown or your office. So it's better to meet them learn from them, enjoy life with them, and then, you know, move on to the next, to the next destination, the next people. And there is this ephemeral nature around people and places when you're a nomad, you know, you know, it's not forever. And you have to make peace with that. When it comes to belonging, so <laughs> I always pack really heavily. For example, I've come here for a week, and I've packed for at least three weeks. <laughs> So like I'm not your perfect digital nomad yet, but uh, I think I've definitely sized down on what you really need, you know, um, especially as women, we think we need like 100 different things. And then you realize you cannot carry 100 different things on your back. And I've made peace with that. And I'm actually feeling more free. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel more free when I just have like a a book in my bag, um, you know, just the essentials, a change of clothes, I can just go free. Um, so definitely kind of that's something I'm working on. But I'd say it's much more difficult for nomads to leave leave people and places behind. Yeah, tell me, do you carry a backpack or a suitcase? <laughs> uh, it depends. I'm more of a suitcase person. Um, I'm at the age where like my bag doesn't really want <laughs> a backpack but uh, yeah what about you? I carry a backpack um, 
I, I can see that how I used to be, um, you know, trying to put all the stuff in my backpack, but slowly it, it reduced. Um, I try to keep as less as possible, but still it makes you around 10 to 12 kgs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I can see that how nomad life eventually makes you a minimalist and you get to know that uh, a lot of things um, you don't need. Um, and sometimes you also have to uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, make some choices. For example, I, I prefer a, a book, but I, I know that Kindle is probably <laughs> it will be better. I can carry all the books <laughs> if I'm using Kindle. So sometimes you have to make choices. That's so. exactly what I was thinking about. Like the, the feel of a physical book is so nice. And I started, you know, I started my travels like that, with like six books in my suitcase. And then I realized that, you know, you have to get over this, become a digital reader. And now I can't live without my Kindle. <laughs> Great. Um, so Saloni, now that uh, you have spent some time in India, nomading around, uh, you met people who are living a similar lifestyle. Um, you you had a time to observe how, um, you know, youngsters over here, they, they are uh, viewing remote life and nomad lifestyle. What do you think how uh, the whole digital nomad movement will shape up in India? What what are your top predictions? How do you think it will look like in five to 10 years? Yeah, I can't wait to revisit this in five to 10 years. But uh, so I'm a millennial, but I've seen amongst the Gen Z nomads that I've met, they are far more adamant on, you know, work is not my life. Work does not define me. It is one part of my life. And that's the the nomads I've met in India are all kind of that age. Uh, they're all kind of new to the workplace, but they're new to the workplace in a pandemic world, in a post-pandemic world. So they don't accept going to the office, uh, a lot of the ones that I've met. Of course, I'm talking about the segment of people who are already nomads, but I can see a lot of their their colleagues getting inspired, joining them on trips. I have an, a, a friend who works at a tech startup in Bangalore. He started alone uh, his nomad journey, and now he travels with seven, eight different friends who all work together. So I see it's definitely growing. And there's a lot of things Gen Z won't accept uh, anymore. It's not just being in an office. They won't accept being on call all the time. They won't accept corporate jargon. Uh, They won't accept a lot of things that millennials and boomers are kind of used to or think is normal. So I definitely think this movement will grow in India. The problem, or I see the kind of obstacle that might stop it, is the mindset that I mentioned earlier of especially um, family businesses in India or kind of more traditional businesses or even, you know, the MNCs that are here have certain rules. You know, you have to be in office three days a week. We don't think you're productive working from home. So I know there's that roadblock and I know you, you can't always convince your employer. And I know that will stop a lot of people. But overall, I think this will definitely grow across the country. Great. Um, you rightly pointed out that how the Gen Z lifestyle is so much is, is in sync with the, the nomad lifestyle. Like Gen Z, they are made for being a nomad. Like they don't want a typical nine to five job. Um, they don't want to be told what to do. Uh, they don't want to go to office, commute, etc. Like they, they, they are born creators. And so for, for them, it, like they're, they're very much uh, sovereign individuals, very much independent uh, the way they are making money. Um, 
yeah, I, I do hope that you will have this I told you so moment <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so so what I see is that also you, you the point that you made about the traditional businesses and how uh, many employers uh, might want to have their employees uh, be in a fixed location may ask them to either uh, work in a hybrid model or come back to office. Uh, but do you think that now the youngsters here in India, they, they have an alternative, they have an option, like they can choose not to be employed by, by the Indian organization. They can choose to join only the businesses which are allowing them to be completely remote, isn't it? Big time. I mean, five years ago, perks would be a slide in the Google office or free lunch or sleeping pods. Now the perk is you don't have to work from the office. And I think that's a major shift. And a lot of people will demand that they can work remotely and they know they can. I keep mentioning the tech world because that's what I'm most familiar with. But I mean, developers are highly in demand and there's a shortage of them right now. So if a developer doesn't want to work from the office, they really don't have to. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, people just want top talent. And if that top talent would be more productive and happier working from the road, then so be it. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you that the new perks are allowing employees to work async, be completely location independent. Uh, yeah. And uh, I see that. I mean, if, if you don't allow that, that that's what le leads to the great resignation, isn't it? Like if you see in the last five, six months, so many people have resigned from the job because uh, they can't get why the hell they're, call to get back to office again they don't want to get there um so yes uh finger crossed let's see um i'm also very bullish about the whole uh, future of the nomad movement especially in india i do see that uh we have an added advantage that it's it's like india is ideal not just for uh, indians but also for people from around the world like because the cost of living here is so low and there is so much to see and experience so i i do see that with a better infrastructure um, India could be like Indonesia or Thailand, uh, attracting lots of nomads from around the world, isn't it? And Goa could be like the new Bali. Uh, That's such a good point. I say this all the time, Saurav, that Goa should be the new Bali. I've lived in Bali as well for five months. And uh, see, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm digressing a bit, but I came to India and I really disliked it for my first one to two years. And then when you start traveling India, you see how stunning it is. But the number of tourists we get compared to other countries in the world, which I will not name, but they're definitely not as exciting, is just so sad because I think India has so much to offer, regional differences, regional variety. You've got nature, you've got mountains. I mean, it's just stunning. But the world doesn't know about it. The world thinks India is unsafe or there's not good Wi-Fi. I actually have a friend who's being a digital nomad in the UK, uh, in the UK, but he's trying India for a month. And the number of times that his employer said to him, oh, I don't think the Wi-Fi will be good in India. I don't think you should nomad there. It just frustrates me because guess what? We have faster Wi-Fi than many parts of the UK. Um, we're just not good at selling ourselves. We're not good at selling our infrastructure which of course needs some work but we're not good at, at packaging 
Goa, for example, as a perfect place to work from. A lot of people question my Wi-Fi and electricity when I had zero issues. Um, so I really do hope Goa will be the new body. I hope India will, you know, grow as the next digital nomad destination. I feel very biasedly that it has a lot more to offer than many parts of Southeast Asia. The world just doesn't know it yet. Absolutely. Uh, but what I see, Saloni, is that when it comes to uh, regulations or when it comes to uh, government making uh, the right, uh, you know, plans and, um, you know, the policies for making a country nomad friendly, um, the uh, one bottleneck that I see is that uh, for, for bigger countries like India or in Indonesia, the tourism is not a big part of their uh, revenue, you know, like if, when you see the smaller countries like Croatia or Portugal or Caribbean islands uh, or even Mexico, they have come up with additional nomad visa program because the government could see that they just by making that policy change, they can attract many remote workers. Probably governments of Indonesia or India, like we see tourism as okay, it's it's fine. They I mean we we want we want tourists, but it's not a very high priority. So. Um, yeah, let's let's see how it goes. Um, it will be great, of course, if uh, government comes up with such plans. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do see that we already offer um, India is offering um, uh, e-visa, which is valid for a really long duration. Right. Like, I guess it's for six months to one year, um, which is great. Like people who are coming to India, they don't need to go for a visa run every month. Uh, which is how uh, it is in a big part of Southeast Asia, many Southeast Asian countries. If you're going on a travel uh, on a tourist visa, you have to go for a visa run every every month. So even if India doesn't come up with additional nomad visa program, it's absolutely fine. Even on the tourist e-visa, you can be a nomad here. Uh, but yes, I feel like just uh, a little bit better infrastructure will, and uh, as you rightly mentioned, the the right marketing, you know, presenting India the way it is, uh, busting the myth will definitely help us getting uh, many remote workers and nomads come to India and work from here. Exactly. I mean, that's why I've been trying so hard with my blog and Twitter. And I dislike Instagram, but I really genuinely reactivated it just to show my friends and the world, hopefully one day, how pretty India is. And I have like... The people who message me, 95% of them are Indians and they just can't believe that the photos I'm posting are from their own country. They're like, I've not seen India like this. I've just seen Delhi and I've just seen, you know, uh, Gurgaon. And I, I didn't know that there were these stunning waterfalls and things like that. So, yeah, like you said, it's it's a marketing, it's a marketing roadblock. Right. And we so much need to see India through different eyes you know, it's like your perspective could be very different from perspective of someone who is local there in the Udaipur, isn't it? So we definitely need that. Um, yeah, in India, there's a mindset um, of leaving the country, you know, get your degree and just go abroad, like wherever you can, because there's nothing in India and we've got a brain drain here. And it just makes me sad. But I do think things will change for the better. Right. Um uh, on on that point, uh, I, I feel like you know, like in in nineties or in two thousand, the most ambitious people they chose to uh, 
you know, uh, move to another country for a better life. And I feel like in 2020s, the more ambitious people will choose a nomad life uh, because, you know, it gives you freedom to just change your location uh, whenever you want. Go where you are treated best, isn't it? Like, it doesn't make sense to um, stay at a place where when, when the weather is not fine, you know, or if, if you just don't feel that it's the right months to to be there, you know, like, I guess no place in the world is does offer everything, so you can have the best of the world by being on the move. What do that's you think? so that's so beautifully put. Yes, I think that that idea of you know the point you've made about the '90s versus now is extremely true. When my father left India in the '90s for Egypt, everyone thought he was crazy. They said, you know, what are you going to do in Egypt? I mean, um, most people moved to the US or Canada or UK, and they didn't understand it. And the life he gave me because he took that one step to move to Egypt, it has been, you know, it's, it's priceless. It's been an amazing lifestyle and uh, more than the lifestyle, it's the mindset. And I think the idea of, of exactly of working where suits you best, like you don't have to sit in Delhi breathing in extreme amounts of pollution. Like you said, you can go experience another part of the world or another part of the country without spending a lot of money and you're pollution free. So I really like that point you made because I think it you you don't have to tolerate uh the things that annoy you about your city anymore. You really don't. Yeah. Great. So uh Saroni I could see that we managed to cover um, all different aspects of nomad life and I'm so, so glad that uh, we could um, you know discuss about all these topics uh, and before we wrap up would love to know from you what do you think what, what would you like to um, share with aspiring nomads what, what are some top tips for aspiring nomads sure I think I've kind of alluded to this before, but it's my favorite point to make is that you don't have to have a lot of money to do this lifestyle. You don't have to be earning a lot at all. You can, you can like we've mentioned various ways of traveling India or the world without even having a job. Uh, so I want people to know that the first step in doing your journey is not about money it's about changing your mindset and you can start really small so a lot of people message me saying you know how did you go and live in goa alone how do you do it and the simple and true answer is you just book that flight book the flight go for one week or go for the duration you're comfortable with so even if you don't want to be a digital nomad you just want a taste of it just book a five-day one-week trip and just know that you can go back home. But there's so many times that you just won't want to. You'll end up falling in love with the place and with the people. And and then you'll you'll start from there. And once that digital nomad ball gets rolling, it's really hard to stay off the road. And I, I think my my kind of second or third major tip would be take life daily as it comes. Don't expect too much. Uh, so I think a lot of people think like, wow, I'm going to travel the world. And there are aspects to the digital nomad life that are tough. Earlier, we spoke about the fact that leaving people behind 
is a feature of every single nomad's life and you cannot avoid it. Another part is, you know, sometimes you will face um, connectivity issues. You'll face maybe a bit of noise in your meetings. Maybe one day you don't have electricity and you have to be okay with that uncertainty, with that disruption, with the inconsistency. Uh, I really don't think it's a major issue, but I think it's something you should bear in mind before you start your digital nomad journey, that it won't be that every single day is the same, guaranteed internet, guaranteed you know silence and things like that. But that's also precisely what makes the nomad journey so exciting. Like it sounds so cliche, but, for me, no two days have been the same since August. So we're speaking now in November, so it's been a couple of months. And I can safely say that I've not had two similar days. So I think it's worth it. The uncertainty is worth it. So yeah, the takeaways would be get comfortable with uncertainty and know you can always go back home. Great, awesome. That's a lot of truth bombs and wisdom, and I'm sure it will inspire many aspiring nomads. So, uh, Saloni, thanks a lot for all your time. Before we wrap up, uh, tell us where can uh, one find you? What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, great. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Saloni Mig. And you can also read my travel stories on salonimiglani.com slash blog. And I'd love to chat with you if you're, if you're keen on starting your digital nomad journey or you're a nomad already. Get in touch.